Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. while since we caught up about like it what has. it's been like you know living living back at home returning to our home states and uh, back to basics back to basics exactly and there's this one this one thing that happened to me recently that i think encapsulates what it's like to live in south jersey where i went to get ice cream with my family and it's in the it's in this place it's like it's it's near the pine barrens so you know you leave towns it gets a little country as you progress uh-huh. and but the ice cream it's just so good you know what I mean? It's so it's so tasty and it's not that expensive. So you're just like, it's a whim. And we get there and you're parking in a field. And my sister's like, there's a raccoon in that car. And I'm like, what? Nah, no, there isn't. And now I was unfazed for a few reasons. One, it's not uncommon to see people with just stuffed animals like that they've hunted just on their trucks and things around me. It's happened. Uh-huh. It, it's happened more times than I, you know, it's happened at yeah. least twice. So it's odd. Um, but it's sort of just like I expected. Um, but then I look over and I see inside the silver, you know, like Ford pickup truck, there's just a little raccoon at the steering wheel just running around and what? moving inside. Yeah. It was very odd. And then he hit the blinker and how everything. Did, how, so I how just, did he get his driver's license? I don't know. I don't know. I'm confused. I didn't understand like what was happening. So we're just like looking at him <laughs> for a while being like, there's just a raccoon in this car and he is just vibing and like running. I've just, it was just got, so like, many questions. Little like old timey driving goggles. I mean, he's got a mask in general because it's a raccoon, and, right? And he's got so, gloves, and he's got like yeah. Gloves, so he was like, like abandoned. I felt like I was looking at like I don't know, Fantastic Mr. Fox. You know, like it just kind of felt like mm. that universe. But it was so odd, and also on a like in a sense where I'm like, wow, this is bizarre. But for where we're at, I'm just like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, mm. and then of course we went to go get ice cream and just like kind of left. But it was just still just like yeah. this very strange occurrence that that is. That is kind know. of amazing. Yeah, it was. It was well, like also, so <laughs> many people were unfazed by it. Like they would see it and just be like, "Huh, that's crazy," and then just like move on. But I mean, but but was it was it his pet? I don't know. You know, whoever is driving this truck. I mean, I'm just gonna I mean, assume. I, so? I guess it. I mean, was this? Was, do you think it was like a good old boy driving this truck, or was uh, it someone like kind of the alternative? I don't know, but someone that like would have a raccoon as a pet. I think it's a pet because it, unless huh. they trapped it, it, there's two case scenarios happening right now. It's somebody's pet and they mm-hmm. took it with them to get ice cream, although they left it in a hot car, which isn't great. Um, mm. Or it somehow got in the car. The person who drove there didn't realize it. And now it is running <laughs> rampant inside of their truck. And it is now going to be a problem as they want to leave. And I never stuck around long enough to find out what happened. So this was something that I found out kind of recently. Mm-hmm. Um, 
is that in New York, it's actually illegal to have raccoons as pets. Mm. I, I don't know if it's similar in New Jersey. Um, I don't know, but, actually. But yeah, no, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm sure. Let's hope this guy has a license. Huh. A raccoon license. A, or, okay, it, it, either, that, either the owner of the truck needs to have a license for that raccoon, or that raccoon needs to have a driver's license. Because someone... Yeah, Some, something's got to be here. Someone's you know? in someone's in trouble. Otherwise, I I looked at the uh, New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection, and apparently you can have a raccoon as a pet or a skunk and oh. a possum, but you need appropriate mm. permits. So, uh-huh. I don't know. Okay. You know, that's uh that's yeah. interesting. You didn't know that. What is what is this? The UK? Yeah, you need a permit <laughs> you need for a that. Permit for everything. You need a TV license. Yeah. Oh man. I don't think. I don't think the British could handle it if they no. had to deal with raccoons. I don't think that's just one more thing they got to deal with, yeah. you know, I don't know. Um, but gosh, yeah. yeah. I mean, what a, what a welcome home because you were also uh, up by me. Uh, we had a wonderful yeah. performance at my opening. Thank you again for playing at it, by the way. Oh, and thank you no to everyone problem. that showed up. Yeah. Uh, thanks my for having Toss at uh, Folk House Collective in Kingston, New York. What a great time. Uh, what a great show. It is still up. You can go see that. And thank you to everyone at the Uncanny County Museum for sticking with us. I yes, know we had a little you. bit of a hiatus, but both of us were getting ready for the school year. I was moving, as I always am. <laughs> let's face it, we've we've been doing this for three years. So I, I think I've just perpetually been moving. I'm always talking about that, I'm sure. But somehow I always find time. I want to always find time to commute to the to the Uncanny County Museum. Uh, the the one thing that may make the 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 trips easier now is I have discovered the wonders of the auto train. I can can we roll that back again with like a like a mid uh, mid Atlantic accent because I feel like this is something I would I would hear like during that time. Joseph, I took the auto train down to Florida. <laughs> It is simply marvelous. I ate in the dining car. The Wi-Fi didn't work. Of course. Oh my gosh. I love I love the wonders of the train. It's like when Amtrak was making a weird comeback because everybody was just like obsessed with the idea of like travel by rail. Um maybe yes. maybe it's because we mourn the lack of a highway high speed way, but you know, one day. Yes. Um Well, yeah, you know, it but it is uh it is a, a very uh, interesting service. Uh, yeah. I sat next to a couple. They sit you with strangers in the dining car, which is kind of fun. I okay. think it's fun. Okay, that's interesting. I sat. I sat next to one guy who. Um, I-, I guess I can shout him out. Uh, I have no idea what our crossover audience is, but uh, <laughs> he is uh, Ya Boy Savage, who is a YouTube, TikTok, and Twitch streamer. Is very nice, cool. very very kind fellow uh, who does um, Madden campaigns. Okay, uh, but to be fair, I think everything that I do sound probably sounded equally confusing to him. <laughs> right? Guess, yeah, like I guess it is. That's fair. Like it is just it is it is worlds colliding. You know of true of uh, of. Of young people with odd jobs that probably sound difficult to explain to their parents. Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. probably the crossover. Yeah, but also like our complete like, here we are two people that are definitely online a lot, but 
are in very different parts of the internet. Like yeah. I was like, I mentioned that the only one of the only things uh, I have ever successfully done is uh, my contribution to the Pine Grove Shuffle on TikTok. Yeah, and he did not know what the Pine Grove Shuffle was, and he did not know what Curb Your Enthusiasm was. Ooh. And it's just one of those things where you start explaining something and then you regret it. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like, how do you even begin to explain that? I yeah. my, my friend group was divided on that because some of them saw Pine Grove Shuffle and a lot of them did not, so it was very oh. complicated when explaining that. But it's also like we're all in the same weird niche of TikTok that it's like, one time yeah. you get a random political rant, and then the next it's Hatsune Miku, and you're just like, I don't know what to make of this. Like, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, yeah, you know. And and we were sitting across from an older couple, and they were confused by everything <laughs> that we were talking about. They, they were and, just regressing yeah. in their chair, like, yeah. I'm going no, back no. to the typewriter. It's over. Yeah, and then so the next day, I sit down, and uh, there's an older gentleman, and he apparently is he's retired. Okay, um, but apparently he held the patent for uh that light that goes on above uh, an aisle uh at a grocery store and checkout that tells you whether or not the lane what? is open what yeah talk about niche man right yeah that's very cool though yeah yeah i'm like oh wow and he's like yeah but i let i let other people use the patent didn't want the wife to get that in the divorce you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's just like, but you know, he probably he's got he's probably got like a, a a bunch of phrases in his pocket that he's just like, you know, this is how I this is how I tell I, I tell my story, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's like a routine. Yeah, I'm, I mean, maybe one day we'll see some uh some version of all of these um biopic documentary things you know they've already done uh, the yeah. Ty Beanie baby people true maybe yeah. they'll be doing like huh, a light above <laughs> above a checkout line <laughs> you're crazy you're, oh my god come this summer no oh, one god. is ever gonna buy this <laughs> experience the true story oh man <laughs> this summer get in your lane oh nice that's good mm-hmm. you know the sad part is they'll absolutely use that that's really ah mm-hmm. oh, gosh yeah that's very yeah. interesting though i mean it's like i guess i always forget that so many random day-to-day devices or items are either patented or like invented for that specific thing and somebody probably made a killing on the top of that yeah yeah no it's like a like a happy birthday or whatever or yeah I, I think i think we have to stop using that as the example because i think that finally went into public domain i think finally yeah yeah but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, just just in time for I think people. Do you feel like people? I don't know if it, it, this is getting way into the weeds, but do you feel like as of late people have been putting less into the happy birthday song? Is that just something that happens to you as you get older, or do you feel like you overhear people in public singing happy birthday and just people's hearts aren't in it anymore? Hmm. Like, uh, like we need a new birthday song. Wow, like a birthday remix. I don't know. I um I don't know. I guess. I guess it's like there's definitely if one were depicted as a graph, I feel like mm-hmm. from like 5th grade is probably peak in your classroom where, you know, it's 
it's like everybody's just so hyped to sing happy birthday because it's yeah. like the one time you get to have like cake in class or something. And then yeah. as you get into an adult, it goes down. But I feel like the other part of that graph would be like restaurant employees, specifically at like Applebee's mm-hmm. and or an Olive Garden. And those probably have weird random spikes depending on right. how the employees were that day. Because that's Carabas- another... Yeah, Carabas has their own version of it where they are not singing happy birthday, but they are singing in Italian. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I think they they say everybody loves you. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, but but to the tune of happy birthday. Right. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I think you also get a second wind if you take a foreign language class and you like get to sing Feliz Cumpleaños. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 Anyways, so this is the Uncanny County Museum. All uh, everyone coming to listen to us from Madden. <laughs> yes, welcome. <laughs> yes. Hey, you boy Savage. Well, welcome back. And to bring us back into this tour in our museum that holds everything and nothing, I wanted to go big. I wanted mm. a big homecoming for us. I'm back in Florida. You're back in Jersey. We're both back to teaching. Let's go big and then go home. Nice. Yeah, let's do it. So we today are going to the big hall at the Uncanny County Museum. (laughs) Not the great hall. Not the great hall. It's just the the big hall. Big hall. I love that. Big hall. Watch out for big hall. (laughs) (laughs) So as you can see in this hall, we have the biggest versions of various categories of things you know uh we've got the uh the oceanic sunfish up there Mm. the biggest bony fish um we've got the saltwater crocodile over there the uh largest living reptile um but what we wanted to talk about today was big news uh recently um obviously the news that everyone's talking about not the mugshot of a former president not um not the uh the, the the crazy storms being felt all over the world no we are here to talk about the real uh big headline which is perucetus mm, oh yes aka the big boy the big one mm-hmm. if you will aka chode whale <laughs> yeah man i gotta <laughs> tell you i gotta tell you as somebody who's only adjacently connected to the paleo community or paleo art community, because I guess I should probably specify not paleo the diet, when that news dropped on TikTok, that was my entire feed, and I was so confused, but also <laughs> so fascinated. So I've been mm-hmm. eagerly awaiting for this tour for us to go over this, because what a body, what a face, because it mm-hmm. is just the it is the dumbest dinosaur, or I guess technically not a dinosaur, but whatever. I love him. So cute. <laughs> So fun, but I have so many questions as to why it looks like clear, that. Clearly peak form. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, this is the biggest body. So Perucetus, Perucetus? Sure. I, I, it, it would be kind of fun to say Perucetus. Perucetus. Perucetus is which Greek god? I can't remember. <laughs> Perucetus. Per, Perucetus is like, I don't know, the, the, the gods of the god of uh, the KFC double down. Anyways, so if you were not aware for some reason, I mean, I can't imagine what else has been in the news over the last couple of months. Um, there has been a discovery out of Peru, um, uh, an ongoing sort of study and excavation of an enormous animal. And to 
give an idea of why this is such a shocking discovery is at least for the entire time that we've been alive and really um, for the history of paleontology, it's been pretty steady with the concept of the modern blue whale being the largest animal that has ever existed. That mm-hmm. an individual of the species is, th- there's no dinosaur that is as massive as a blue whale. Right. Um, there are even the biggest dinosaurs uh, that come close to the length of a blue whale are not as massive as them. Gotcha. Uh, and th- this this is pretty incredible, too, because we tend to think of prehistoric animals as being the bigger version of something. Uh, you know, just recently there was also a discovery of a new species of giant penguin. Obviously, we used to have woolly mammoths. We used to have giant ground sloths. We had Megalania, the giant lizards from Australia. We we tend to think of no longer being in the age of giants. Um, but, you know, there are some animals that have, for one reason or another, gotten quite large and quite quite a lot larger than their predecessors. Horses, for instance, are massive compared to uh, what their what their ancestors were. Um, and, you know, us as, as humans, I mean, there, there's also a, there's maybe some tangential reasons that humans have gotten bigger and the uh, average size of wildlife has gotten smaller. Yeah. There could there could be a corollary there. I don't want to I don't want to make any assumptions, uh, but uh, we we do tend to think of prehistoric things as being larger, and yet there's always been the blue whale sort of there to say no 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 the this is also an age of giants. It's just maybe not as present in our minds because they're marine. Right, and this also kind of makes sense when you consider how large a lot of uh marine animals are you know sharks are really quite large you know we don't yeah. have megalodon yeah, we got anymore. those we got those big great whites off cape cod we that keep gr- for some reason making yes. the news <laughs> so also <laughs> relevant i guess yeah well yeah we've got great white sharks we have elephant seals we yeah, have big. you know yeah you know all all different sorts of whales walruses polar bears there there are still quite a lot of very large marine uh mammals marine vertebrates if you're you're also looking at sharks and things um but to to get to a large size especially what we what we consider relative to us a, a larger version of an animal uh you you it it honestly does does often come down to the calories. Can you take in enough energy from the right. world around you to be able to energetically afford to be big? Because yeah, being big has its advantages when it comes to competition, but other than that being big also limits where you can live because you need a certain amount of resources. We've talked about in the past that there were elephants living on Mediterranean islands that underwent um, island dwarfism. Right. Um, where there, there weren't there weren't enough calories on those islands to support a an animal as large as an elephant, as a modern day elephant. So the animals had to get smaller, take in less calories, and then they could um, 
they, they could survive there. Right. But then we also sometimes see the reverse of this happen. You know, you could look at the giant moa in New Zealand, you know, mm. those enormous, enormous birds. Those got to that size because, you know, they sort of arrived on an island where there were no large mammals. Yeah. And these flightless birds could occupy that niche that otherwise would not be available to them. You could look at Galapagos tortoises, that their mainland relatives in South America are quite small. But once they got to the island, without any competition, they could kind of become the large grazing herbivore of the island. Hmm. Um, you know, and again, it also helps not being a mammal sometimes too, because mammals especially need a lot of calories to, uh, to, to, uh, to afford our, our metabolism and, uh, uh, just, just our, our, I don't want to say more complexity, but, but quite often that there's, there's just so much more neurological sophistication going yeah, on with a mammal. Absolutely. That, you you need all, all the energy you can get. Mm-hmm. Quite literally, your yeah. brain power contributes to that too. It's why a lot of ours yeah. goes to our brains, for instance, rather than our physical strength. Just as one right. case, and, and that in the case of our reproduction, we invest a lot more in yeah. our offspring than most other animals. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, it it is uh, it is everything takes calories, everything takes energy. Mm-hmm. You know. Engines, um, however you can are, get it. organic yes. engines, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like an engine, or are you ever just like pedaling a bike, and you're just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think what I, I now I I went on a um like a four mile walk with my mom recently, yeah. and then I didn't know we were going to be doing that until we started, and I was like, great, I guess I'm committing. <laughs> nothing to this. like nothing like a surprise four hour walk. Did you yeah. only realize that it was going to be that at hour two, and you're like, we got to walk back. No, well, it was that like we were walking, and I'm like, okay, so we're going this way, and she was like, no, 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 we're going all the way around, and I was like, what? You know, that's like very far, right? She's like, yeah, and I was like, okay, I guess we're just going for this now. But like, I was, I've been reading a lot about like, you know, uh, cultural evolution, and I'll get to that when I recommend some readings after the the tour. But uh, there was a whole point in there about how humans adapted and evolved to with our sweat glands and why it's our advantage that we can keep walking so long and for distances and that our sweat keeps us cool and that helps with a lot of things versus other mammals and that don't have that ability as much so they have to rest a lot and i was yes. like wow i'm connected like this makes sense like as i'm walking i'm like dying of sweat cause it's so hot out and i'm just like <laughs> this is my system at work keeping me cool i am an engine yeah you know? it's just sort of this million like, million yeah as you sweat your brains out you yeah. like millions of years of evolution wandering the the prairies yes. of africa <laughs> i've been you prepared know, for this your, your your ancestors crossed the mediterranean sea exactly. and now here you are yep yeah it's crazy uh-huh and then like and then when you get to eat after that you're like yes i'm refueling the machine oh yeah I, exactly mm-hmm. so i wanted to talk about um you know some of these these examples of these giants from our past but to also i think answer your question of how why are we reconstructing perusitis in the way that uh we are as a the way that paleo artists have been um because one of the first things that you may read about this animal is that it is known from very fragmentary remains we're really just looking at um a few sections of vertebrae and a little bit of uh the pelvic region um 
Now, if you have seen a picture of Chode Whale, as I'm calling it, uh, Chode Cetus. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. He's a little goofy looking. Uh, it is, it's a little goofy looking. It is, it is like, um, it is like if you put uh, a a dolphin mixed with an alligator's head on the body of a manatee. Yeah, with, that's a good way like, to put and, it. And like, like super shrunk down, like it is. Yeah, uh, it's it's it, it it it's very much like like a. Not not quite maybe a squishmallow, but like some sort of like very oddly proportioned stuffed animal. It's very yeah, like to, when I when I saw it at first, and I saw multiple reconstructions of it, I was like, it's like somebody took the like shrink tool on on Photoshop and just made everything very small in the front, and then the body is just massive, and it's just it looks so like funny it's, to me. It looks like it's swimming away from you because the yeah. front is so much bigger. Well, yeah, exactly. That's why it's I was like so perspective. Confused. Yeah, it's throwing me <laughs> off all the time. Um, yeah. and, and you know, also shout out to those who we've had at the museum who have made these these drawings and reconstructions yeah. as well. They're great, and we love them. Um, yeah. But man, just such what a fun, what a fun looking animal. But it is, it oh, is yes. just so odd, like to me, because I, I I know. And I'm sure you'll get into this, and I'm very excited to hear. But I have heard it's because a little bit of of why the the face or the head looks that mm-hmm. way is because it's getting the um, information from other Basilosaurus um, skeletons, yes. and like because we don't have access to that region yet. But I also mm-hmm. wonder, like, and we can branch this out however you want. But I, I also wonder, it's like when you only have access to so much of a skeleton and then you have to assume what the next part will be, like, what is that going to mm-hmm. do in the next, like, five to ten years of art? Is that going to just constantly change things based on whatever bone we find next or whatever science comes out? And then it's just constantly building on the, like, canon, canon dinosaur, so to speak? <laughs> No, I mean, very good questions, and we'll get into it. We might, you know, just because th- this is a fairly recent discovery and things will unfold as time goes on, we can't answer everything. We can't know everything. For sure, for sure. But uh, I will try to get into how they came to that conclusion, you know, based on other uh, basilosaurs and, you know, how sometimes this pans out correctly and sometimes <laughs> it does not. All right, yeah, um, let's get into it. Yeah, let's jump in. So first off, let's talk about Titanoboa, which is uh, the exhibit that we have right here. Now, Titanoboa, as the name suggests, was an enormous uh, snake closely related to uh, boas um, from Colombia, uh, hmm. the, the country, not the, not the school. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it'd be yes. crazy. Colombia educated, with educated boa. <laughs> this was a very smart boa. This boa went to Columbia. <laughs> this boa has a PhD, man. <laughs> uh, also, a fairly recent discovery. No, I guess not that recent anymore. It was twenty years ago. Um, in the early two thousands, uh, between two thousand two and two thousand and four, uh, an expedition uh, from the University of Florida and the Smithsonian uh, did an excavation in Columbia. And they found these enormous, uh, well, what they assumed were just the vertebrae of crocodiles or some sort of crocodilian, because they were clearly reptiles, but um, were, were, you know, large enough to be the the typical large uh, reptiles that we find. Um, These were mid 
to late Paleocene. So these are fairly soon after the uh, um, the mass extinction of the dinosaurs. Uh, we're we're getting into the slow rise of mammals, but there are um, still some birds rep- and reptile groups that are sort of making a move to recover and be the next large um, be the next large group of animals. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, what was discovered uh, later is that these were not the vertebrae of a crocodile, but actually a 40-foot-long snake Whoa. that lived in Colombia uh, in, uh, uh, it, it, dur- during the, uh, the, the Paleocene. And this is just very jarring to even think about, you know, so much bigger than, than we really could imagine. You know, basically a snake that's as thick around as the biggest crocodile you could imagine. Jeez. Um, and it does seem that there, this is, this is the largest snake that has ever been found in the fossil record. Okay. Um, and it was primarily known from vertebrae and what the scientists could determine from the vertebrae is they could extrapolate how big an animal, how big a snake like this would be if it sort of followed the proportions typical to large snakes that, um, that, that were also related to it. So basically just sort of doing a, a little bit of a scale up motion, but leaving some room for error. Um, and uh, from that, they were able to get that uh, to get that, you know, 40, 42 foot length figure. Mm, okay. um, now, what seems is happening here is this is long enough after the KPG extinction that um, animals, specifically reptiles, like I said earlier, are starting to recover. There was you know, just sort of that moment in Earth's history after these enormous animals that had, uh, as a group, had been the the large life form for, you know, over 100 million years, uh, were suddenly gone. And it was kind of anyone's game what the next large group of animals was going to be. So it does sort of make sense that you would have this as, as the earth starts to heal from the impact, you would have these smaller animals like snakes that could have survived uh-huh. uh, starting to evolve into these niches for, for larger animals. Um, now, it was originally sort of reconstructed as a giant, you know, something that would have been preying on, uh, you know, um, medium size to large mammal prey uh you know sort of like basically making it like a giant anaconda you know something eating whatever the the paleocene equivalent of a capybara was but also much larger Mm. you know gotcha Um, but what what has been found more specimens have been dug up but what we've seen is that the skull and teeth once they were actually discovered it turns out it probably was eating more fish than, um, um, you know, sort of like it launching itself at, at super large um, uh, land prey. Still, okay. you know, still pretty terrifying to think about a, a, a 40 foot snake. But, it, yeah. you know, 
we're, we're also, I mean, also, you know, if you want to think about it, this is also something that probably was aquatic or semi-aquatic, you know, hmm. to be that, to be that big and have no limbs, it really behooves you to be in the water most of the time. Yeah, that is very, I don't know, that's nerve wracking in a way. Um, yeah. Gosh, yeah, that is a big snake. Quite yes. literally. Yes. So vertebrae can give us a pretty good idea as to how, how to extrapolate the, the size of an animal. Um, because sometimes, like, as much as we want to have the skull of something, the skull doesn't always tell us a lot about an animal's morphology. Mm. I mean, pretty famously, um, Dunkleosteus, which is a, a, pre- a very large prehistoric uh, bony fish. It was an armored fish. Okay. Um, re- really terrifying, really freaky looking. It, it it really looks like some sort of sci-fi monster. Oh, wow. Um, but because the really it's only the armored head that ever fossilizes, it's actually kind of up for debate what exactly the rest of its body looked like. If it was this large, um, you know, shark-like equivalent or it could have had like a super stumpy body, hmm. you know, like just sort of like this, like more of a sunfish type of shape. And we just really only find the head. Uh, so it, 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 uh, it really does help to have vertebrae because vertebrae can show you proportions and flexibility that indicate how big an animal was uh, and how it moved much more than just sort of the front end of the animal. Now, gotcha. um, this has happened with dinosaurs. Uh, there's a group of sauropod dinosaurs, so the long neck dinosaurs that made that um, ha- have really, uh, you know, been much more of the focus in the last couple of decades. I think when I was a kid, sauropods were not really considered a big fixture of the Cretaceous, but really in the, just the last couple of decades, titanosaurs have become more and more known to science. And titanosaurs not only were sauropods that made it into the Cretaceous, but they it seems like we're the biggest that they ever got. In particular is Argentinosaurus. Now, uh, Argentinosaurus, the remains were first found in uh, 1987 in Argentina by a farmer. Um, And then in 1989 were described by uh, kind of rock star paleontologist, uh, Jose Fernando Bonaparte, you know, Hmm. great name. That is a good Um, name. But he is he is credited with so many um, great great South American uh, finds, uh, uh, and including the site Mas Huevos, uh, which uh, was a uh, a uh, nesting ground for these uh, giant dinosaurs. Hmm. It, it is it, it's really interesting. Patagonia, for some reason, seems to be one of these places where there just were these enormous dinosaurs, like just, just truly, truly enormous dinosaurs living in this region. And it's difficult yeah. to say, did they just preserve there? Or is there something about that location that uh, allowed for these animals to evolve? Now, when we're talking about size, Argentinosaurus is estimated to be um, between 30 to 35 meters or 98 to 115 feet long. So, this is an animal potentially as long as a blue whale uh, walking around on the land. Uh, that is big. That is very yes. big. And But what we have to remember about Argentinosaurus is we are extrapolating because mm. 
we have really only ever found a femur and some vertebrae. Now, the femur is a big help, but it's been mostly the, the, the vertebrae is really where you have to um, make your guesses as to how long this animal was, especially as a sauropod. Now, what's what was handy about Argentinosaurus is that some of the vertebrae that were found were pretty easy to locate within the body. If you study, um, especially like tetrapod vertebrates, um, you know, things, things past fish and, um, frogs and amphibians, you know, right. Um, different sections of your body will typically have different types of vertebrae. And Argentinosaurus, the part of the section that was found were the pieces of vertebrae that fuse around the pelvis that help sort of support the the size of these animals. So, you know, through knowing where the vertebrae was located in the body, knowing the size, knowing, uh, you know, what type of animal calls for the, the type of strength and reinforcement uh, that's going on in these vertebrae, you can make a pretty good guess as to how big these things were. Um, but yeah, absolutely massive creature uh, that really isn't known from a lot of material. And there could be, you know, potentially things that we're missing about it. Mm. But, and it's, it, it, you know, some, it can't even really be said for certain whether or not it was the biggest dinosaur ever. There are people that claim it was. Okay. Um, but we, we can't really be sure. All we have are the estimates. Um, from the size based on other types of titanosaurs. Um, Interesting. And, and, and quite often, a lot of sauropods are these animals that were discovered from, you know, the body remains. And then the head had to be kind of uh, figured out later with additional specimens. You know, we, we had our entire conversation about Brontosaurus, Apatosaurus, you know, Quite often on these big animals, we don't find the heads. You know, the head okay. is so much smaller than the rest of the body. You know, um, it, it can be quite difficult to get an animal that big to preserve. Like, think about right. you need like you need like a like a like a quarter acre of dirt to just not be touched to get a to get a skeleton God. that's relatively complete. Is that so much to ask for? You know, the world's pretty big. <laughs> We could have had it. I don't know. We, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like a lot of these animals, to get big, you need a specialty. You sure. know, um, you need sort of the opportunity that Titanoboa had. Argentinosaurus and other large dinosaurs, it does really seem that these large herbivores had a couple of things going for them that let them get so big. One, you know, sort of the uh, the warm climate of the Mesozoic means there's more vegetation means there's more energy for herbivores to consume mm -hmm. um and size becomes an advantage and you can kind of get to a point in your life where nothing can hunt you anymore which is a pretty good survival strategy for for an animal like this that you know they're um they have sort of a bird shot uh um method to reproduction where they lay a bunch of eggs and only a few need to survive so right. if you if you can get an animal that gets to a certain size nothing can kill it and all it does for the rest of its life is eat and reproduce there's also things like sunfish that 
are big, can't really swim away, can't really defend themselves, but they're so nutritionally poor that no animals bother to eat them. <laughs> oh my God, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, oh. they're kind of really useless, nutritionally poor animals. I mean, this is wow. This is sort of the strategy that koalas have. Koalas aren't particularly large, but koalas live in a place where they're eating a plant that has next to no nutritional value. Right. So they're just, they're sleepy all the time because they're trying to conserve energy. They, they're eating something that nobody else wants. Oh, man. Um, you know, and if you can find a niche like that, you're, you're golden. Giraffes have gotten large because they have, because pre, a lot of prehistoric giraffes did not have the long necks that modern ones do. Mm-hmm. But contemporary giraffes, with the exception of the okapi, have these long necks and they have kind of a monopoly on the tops, eating from the tops of trees. Right. Um, along with a lot of other adaptations that allow them to eat um, uh, acacia trees in particular. Um, Tyrannosaurus and, and its relatives got big as sort of a way to hunt these giant herbivores that showed up. Um you know, as sort of a response, mm. sort of sort of a red queen type type of thing that you just as your opponent gets crazier and crazier, you've got to get crazier. And and even things like blue whales and, and and modern baleen whales in general, they've gotten so big because they have found this very efficient feeding system that, you know, can you can filter feed at, at scale. You right. know, you can take in so much energy just opening your mouth because you're so big, you can get, you know, the calories that you want. Cause it is sort of weird to think about how the largest animal that w- one of the, now one of the largest <laughs> animals to have ever existed eats just tiny, tiny little guys floating in the water. Yeah. But it has a way of doing that. That is so much more efficient that it can kind of, it, it can kind of just drift through the water doing that. Yeah, right, um, exactly. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of different factors that can lead to an animal just getting so large. Um, there's something called Bergman's rule that says that um, animals te- of the same species tend to have smaller bodies in hotter environments and larger bodies in warmer environments. Now, this happens within, again, the same species, but it can also lead to some speciation. There is an advantage to having big bodies in colder climates because it helps retain heat. So you could look at emperor penguins, you could look at woolly mammoths, woolly rhinos, bison, bears, you know, these these big bodies, um, uh, it's it's more difficult to cool them down. but uh, that's an advantage you want to have if you're living up north and where it's very cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there's there's all sorts of factors. There's uh, oxygen content in the air, as we've talked about before. You know, during the Carboniferous, uh, there were there was a much higher concentration of oxygen in, in our atmosphere. So this led to things like Arthropleura, which was a centipede that was about 2.5 meters or eight feet long. Too big. Nope. Too big. Too big. Too big. Too, too, big. too big buck. Too big. We gotta, we're going to need to shrink <laughs> that down to eight centimeters if possible. And that's even too big still. Eight centimeters. Yeah. 
Oh no, it's a centipede. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that's that is one of the things that always horrifies me of a time when there's just cent- giant centipedes bugs. now are, are are crazy. I know. It's already just like I don't need yeah. them to be any bigger than they already are. Mm-hmm. But this does bring us to Perucetus. Now, mm. what are we looking at here? Let's look at the numbers. So a blue whale is about 98 feet long and can get up to 199 tons. Perucetus, we're looking at slightly shorter, possibly, because again, we only have the vertebrae. We're looking at 17 to 20 meters or 55 to 65 feet long. But the range of weight that it could have had is between 85 and 340 tons. Woo. So that's a lot. So if we go with the higher end of this estimate, it could have been a whole, uh, a, a whole hundred tons heavier than a blue whale. Whoa. Okay. That yes. is indeed big. Yeah. Yes. So what is this animal living 39 to 37 million years ago? What is it doing being this big? And yeah. how do we, how do we know that it's potentially this big? Um, because it's not just the vertebrae that's telling us this. It's also the pure density of the bones. Um, Perucetus has a condition called pachyosteosclerosis, which is to say that its bones are incredibly dense mm. uh, and, and sort of like mushrooming out of themselves. Oh. Um, in a way that's sort of similar to manatees. Um, as a kid, I used to find manatee ribs, you know, if we'd go out fossil collecting, manatee ribs are so weird because they really just look like long, thin, slightly curved rocks Oh, because they're so dense. They don't break open and you think, oh, that's a bone. You would think, oh, that's a rock, but they're just, they're, they're just incredibly dense. And this is to sort of counteract the buoyancy of uh, okay. a, uh, a relatively slow-moving mammal with a lot of air in its lungs, but it's feeding in shallow water. Um, and th- this is an advantage, too, because it means that um, uh, as water goes in and out with the tides near a sh- uh, in a near-shore environment, um, you... Uh, you can kind of survive in the in this shallow water column and not worry about being pushed around by the tides as much because hmm. this this super dense body would be really difficult to um, swim around, very ineffective in terms of cal- caloric cost if you were purely pelagic, if you were in the open water. Right. But if you're near shore, you want to be dense enough to to basically kind of keep yourself underwater when you when you're uh, when you need to be and to keep yourself from getting pushed around by the tides gotcha that makes um, sense so it's kind of it's kind of controlled this 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 animal is kind of like it's it's just sort of like a, a living like uh buoy or, or uh mooring almost huh it's probably okay. a better it um so from the comparison to manatees, which I should mention are not related to whales, not related to cetaceans. Manatees are more closely related to elephants. Um, huh. Yes. Uh, but based off of this sort of convergent evolution of the, th- the, the bones getting thicker, 
we can extrapolate that it that Perusetus was probably living a life similar to a manatee, shallow water grazer. It does not okay. really seem to be a near shore pursuit predator. This does not seem like an animal that was living like a crocodile, you know, waiting by the water's edge, which is also weird because we don't really have evidence of we don't have a lot of evidence of herbivorous whales. You don't really think about whales that eat plants. Yeah, not really. Yeah, so this huh. is also this is unusual for a lot of reasons. But you can see this opportunity that arose for an animal like this. Something that big probably doesn't have predators. Right. And you can, uh, by being this big, you don't really have to expend a lot of uh, energy um, in the water moving around because you're near shore and you're eating plants. You're probably just grazing. You're probably doing what manatees do, which is just kind of face first into the, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, into the, 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 uh, the bottom of the lagoon, just eating uh, vegetation. And every now and then you stick your head up and breathe. And it works pretty well for the manatees. I, I've seen them. Yeah. You know, they, they don't they don't seem to be worrying about too much. Right. Except the uh, boats. And... I guess except the boats. Yeah. 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 Um, so from from this, we also then have to talk about this head. Yes. Now, the head Based on these vertebrae, we can conclude that Perusetus was not related to the types of whales that we still have today. Um, it was from a branch of whales that is more ancient, a little more basal, if you will, mm. called Basilosaurids. Now, Basilosaurids are kind of incorrectly named. Right. Uh, the, the the guy that named Basilosaurus was a phrenologist. He got a few things wrong in life. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah, Basilosaurus means ruling lizard. Uh, meanwhile, it is a type of early whale. Um, now, this means a couple of different things. They sort of have a, um, a less of what you would think of as the classic whale head. The, the head is a little more distinct from the body. It's not quite as streamlined as modern whales. <laughs> Yeah. Um it's also a little bit more um almost uh crocodilian looking or or even like a little bit more I, I would almost say a, a little bit like a like a pig or a warthog kind of extended. And that's yeah partially like because kinda. these these whales evolved from carnivorous hooved mammals, not uh you know um Closer related to things like sheep, but not super distantly related to things like pigs. Mm, um, okay. So they they have sort of that long, ungulate uh, face still. Um, so uh, you know, an animal like this, the the they their their nostrils are moving to the tops of their heads. You know, to what will become their blowhole. They don't have echolocation. Um, they are essentially like. They're living similarly to, uh, you know, just sharks and dolphin, what we would now think of as dolphins and, and crocodilians, just sort of these um, pelagic, free-swimming uh, predators that um, could have hunted near shore and then eventually on the open ocean. Mm -hmm. um, and what's also interesting about basilosaurids is that they still retained their hind legs to some extent, even though they were very reduced. 
So these are animals with their flippers, but still had like little tiny legs, like dangling off the tail. (laughs) And this could have possibly been used for mating. um, But it is also just kind of funny looking and just sort of adds to the overall like (laughs) what what, what's going on here of this animal. Um, So as far as we can speak to the shape, they're going for slightly based off of manatee proportions where manatees have this very small head uh, on front of a very round body, but also going off of the idea that this is related to basilosauruses, basilosaurids, I I, I keep saying basilosauruses, basilosaurids, the group, the group do not have the enormous heads yet that are sort of like, um, like a, with no shoulders, no neck look right. that modern whales have. Uh, it, 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 so it, it's really a combination of those two things. They're extrapolating based off of what relatives of this animal looked like and also the lifestyle that it probably was living, um, which would not have needed this big, um, uh, you know, more crocodilian proportioned mouth. Right. To, to catch prey. This is probably an animal that is moving very slowly, uh, just sort of grazing all day. Um, so that that's probably more of what more of what uh, we're looking for. But again, there's always the possibility that this is incorrect, and more information should be coming in you know the coming months and years. This thing is so big that they're they're really still excavating. Yeah, it sounds like the hill that they found it in. Which yeah, is, is just really insane. Well, that's it's th- just so big. That's what I thought was wild. Like they're still digging it up, and then we already yeah. got the art drops. It's kind of like when you get the first release of like I don't know a new a new show or anime coming out, and then everybody immediately makes fan art of it. And you're just like, wow, that yes. was that was that was fast. <laughs> like that's yeah. how I felt like this when this when this dropped. You know, new whale alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just the immediate rush to all the new artwork, which is great. Like it's just so funny because yeah. it's it's got that had to be such a fun change of pace for a lot of artists, I imagine, because it's like it's such a funny looking animal. But oh yeah, uh, I I'm so curious about it, and it is. I'm excited to hear more news. Like I feel like I'm invested in this now, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it is really exciting. And I've also been um, into like the, the, the reconstructions of where people are trying to decide, you know, did, would we, yeah. would we reconstruct this with flukes or mm. would we give it sort of the, the round pancake tail of a manatee you know all this right, stuff is very yeah. exciting oh absolutely and, uh, you know th- there's a lot of speculation um but this uh speaking of different types of whales this brings us to we all need somebody to bear lean on <laughs> oh my god that's so great oh so man. joe i am going to be giving you a whale okay and you are going to have to tell us is it a toothed whale or a baleen whale? Hmm. That is a whale with teeth like us or a whale with filter feeding teeth. Gotcha. It's a good thing I know a little bit about whales. All right. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I hope Moby Dick comes in handy now. Oh, boy. Do you have any whales watching at home? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Hit me. Yeah. Hit me with what you got. First up, 
Beluga. Toothed whale. Correct. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I think actually it's more of a chirp. I think. I think so. Beluga. Yeah. They're, they're sometimes called sea canaries. I think they like they have kind of more mm. of a whistle, a little bird sound. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Next up, this one you should knock right out of the park. Sperm whale. Also a toothed whale. Correct. Nice. All right. Right whale. Baleen. You are right. Yeah, nice. All right. <laughs> Humpback whale. Also baleen. Correct. Sweet. All right. Pilot whale. Toothed whale. Correct. Oh, man. Hot streak. A beaked whale. A beaked whale. Huh. A beak is not an option. You have tooth or baleen. <laughs> I got, got you. I'm going to go with toothed. You are correct. Nice. Ooh. But wouldn't it be great if there was just one whale that had like a toucan bill? Yeah, that would be. Oh, my yeah. God. Kind of horrifying. All right. Actually. Now, let, let's see. Let's see if you can if you can keep this streak going. All right. All right. Last one. Mink whale. I believe baleen. You are correct. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm hesitating there. Yes. Whoa. All right. I passed the whale nice. test. You did. You Gosh. did. Well, thank you for playing. Yeah. We all need somebody to bail in on. Thank you for, for having me. Man, it's it's. I will. Ne- it's so odd to me because I, as I think I have said at the museum a few times in the past, whale sounds freak me out. And then I made a whole project <laughs> this year based on whales. So who would have thought? <laughs> and that... <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to your upcoming ambient whale album. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Well, this has been a lot of fun to yeah, talk about. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I mean it's also exciting, you know, that we we get to have surprises like this still in um in biology and paleontology in this in this age where everything kind of feels like it's been discovered. Yeah, that's the nice part, I feel like, too, that there's there's like something new that's that's always like on the horizon and people get to work for it and it inspires those working in the sciences and, and, and wanting to do this with their careers to also have the chance to, you know, be hands-on a little bit and be excited mm-hmm. about what's coming out. I think what was funny, yeah. too, was that I think this news dropped when Barbie and Oppenheimer came out. So it was such an interesting, <laughs> like... You had, whoa, what order are you seeing first? It was all like Barbie and Oppenheimer memes, and then the whale came in. And it was just like, this is such a bizarre <laughs> amount of news. So, it, no, yeah. but it, this this has been fantastic. You know, thank you so much for all this research amongst, you know, everything that you're going through this month. I'm glad that we were able to sit down and be able to share this with everybody and talk about it because I have been very excited to hear, and now I feel a lot more educated about it. Yeah, no problem. No, it was fun to talk about. I always love a good paleontology episode. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, this this was great to great to get to explore and, and learn a bit more about and also just see, see sort of the, the, the comparison across all these different animals yeah. that we've had to extrapolate on based on unlimited remains. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I guess this uh, brings us to... Stick it or ticket. Man, it has been a while, but I am it glad has. I am glad I, ha- I think I have some. Great, great. 
Okay. What have you got? These are, uh, again, for for those of us uh, maybe joining the museum for the first time, these are questionable or just amusing bumper stickers that we have seen. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) All right. So this one that I have here was a, a bumper sticker that said, put your blinker on, bestie. In like a fun kind of like <laughs> type face, which I thought was that thought good, was cute. Good advice. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. that's passive aggressive. Yeah. But true. Um, this one, I don't know how this one works for passive aggressive. This was on the back of a truck. It said, if you can't run with the big dog, in all caps, stay on the porch. What does that even mean? We're on a car. We're not if running. If you can't run with the big if you can't run with the big whale, stay stay on the porch. Yeah, stay stay, stay in with the, pool. the manatees. Stay in the pool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My God. Yeah. That is bizarre. Okay. Well. Yeah. And uh I, as a bonus, I saw this just the other day. Oh. Um, this, so this was th- this one is an edge case. It's not technically a bumper sticker, but it was a graphic baseball hat that someone had in their back window of the car so it was clearly meant to be red okay um and it says blackout with your rack out Ooh. Mm -hmm. Hmm. yeah all right yeah that that is that is a choice that you can that you can put uh for sure you know yeah wow yep Mm mm-hmm Anyways, uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us for Stick It or Ticket. Absolutely. Yeah. Always a surprising time. You never know what you're going to hear. Um, mm-hmm. Or see out there know, on the road. You, you never know who you're going to be behind uh, at, at a traffic light. Absolutely. You know. Be, ki- be kind to everyone because you never know. Could be the big dog. <laughs> Could be the big dog in the small pond. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, next, I guess we should get to uncanny recommendations, things that we've been Gosh. reading, listening to, watching. What have we got? Wow. I mean, I feel like I got a bunch because it's been all of mm-hmm. August and I have done and seen so many things. Uh, well, the first is, I don't know if Humble I... Humble brag. Sorry. I've just, it's really not that much. It's just because I finished like two books and I felt so proud of myself. Um <laughs> As I keep recommending here, I've been on a nonfiction kick, and it's very hard for me to read nonfiction books sometimes and be interested. So that's been, I don't know, I've been liking that for my 2023 reading list. But I did, I don't know if I mentioned it here last time, I did finish The Weirdest People in the World, and I definitely recommend it. Um, But afterwards, I finished this shorter book, much shorter actually, it's called uh, The Experience Machine by Andy Clark. It's very good. It's a... um, Basically, his whole this whole book is exploring the idea that our brains are, in fact, prediction machines and not passive viewers to the world around us so that we are actively perceiving and changing and predicting how the world and how reality is structured um, the way that we see it individually based on both our biases, but also our fears and other things, too. It's an interesting psychological deep dive. It's not hard to read, which I was really happy about, you know, that it's not, you don't need, like, prerequisite knowledge to jump into this, so it's very accessible. There's tons of notes in the back as well, and there's some fun examples in there in terms of, like, visual ones that you can play, like, for brain teasers, and also some audible ones as well that really prove uh, Clark's point on this, and it's, it's very fascinating. I'm really curious where the science will move with this because this is a relatively new theory that's been moving forward but there's definitely some evidence behind it um and amongst this i also 
uh, have been reading The Secret to Our Success, which is all the precursor book to The Weirdest People in the World by Joseph Heinrich. It's very good. It's basically a huge deep dive into the idea, the theory of cultural evolution and how it impacted and it changed our evolutionary track to be where we're at today. Lots of great examples in there and for sure is going to be some source material for some tours that we have here at the museum. Um, in terms of shows, I wanted to recommend this one that I watched recently called Silo on Apple TV. I know in the world of streaming services, it's, you know, crazy. But if you canceled your Netflix plan and you picked up Apple, I definitely recommend giving that a go. It's short, but a very thrilling mystery the whole way through. And uh, for movies, gotta recommend both Barbie and Oppenheimer. We didn't really get to talk about it since we missed that sort of July uh, hype, yes. but... Both those movies are great. I saw them not back to back, but in the same day. We did Barbie, then Oppenheimer. Man, was it an experience. But um, if you are curious about Oppenheimer and sort of unsure where you stand, I definitely think listening to the last podcasts on the left series on the Manhattan Project during or beforehand, you know, like split it up which is it's like six episodes but it gives it's such a deep dive into this insane mm -hmm. story of the building of the atomic bomb and oppenheimer oh, yeah. is like the visual study to that that i think is a nice pairing together media wise um mm -hmm. so that's my that yeah i would say that's sort of my summary of a lot of my um recommendations right now and i'm sure i'll have some new ones eventually but uh how about you zam what do you got for us well, um, with my schedule, I unfortunately haven't had a ton of time to uh, read or watch movies and stuff as much as I want. But I have been listening to a bunch of new music, which has been fun. Nice. Uh, I have discovered Rare Bird, which is kind of a fun, um, uh, kind of a little bit of psychedelic rock, but, um, you know, also just kind of some good uh late 60s early 70s just kind of vibe music um if you're if you're kind of into sl maybe slightly more pop pink floyd uh or uh you know that 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 sort of uh uh you know uh little jam band little psychedelic uh rare bird is a really fun uh band to check out cool um also been listening to uh, Number One by Pottery. Really great um, indie rock album. Nice, easy listening. Gotten a lot done to that. Nice. Um, and then, of course, passing of, of a true titan uh, of the sea. Mm. Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that that's uh, such sad news to hear over the last uh, couple of days. But, um, yeah, you know, he, what, a, what a life. What a what a career what a what a catalog of music um absolutely if if i i do really sincerely uh recommend to people uh, a couple of albums by him if you're not necessarily into the whole parrot head aesthetic of jimmy buffett if you're you're you kind of can't if you feel like you can't get in on the full camp side of it I would highly recommend A1A and Living and Dying in Three Quarter Time by mm. Jimmy Buffett. You'll get you'll get his ballads. You'll get a little bit of his cheese, but it, it's it's very sincere and it you know kind of comes from an an era of really quality music making and you know just a uh, a time when when this was not as uh, ubiquitous as as it is today. Um, uh, you know, it, back when Jimmy was was very much sort of coming from that that Gordon Lightfoot 
singer songwriter, uh, but still a little bit of rock right. uh, uh, bent. Um, but yeah, no, that is, uh, that is definitely what uh, I have to recommend. Uh, I, I know we also love Rodriguez. I've also been getting into Rodriguez, uh, so are uh, too late, obviously, but uh, cold fact has been a really great mm. album as well. Um, but yeah, that, that is, uh, I I've listened to so many more albums too recently, but I, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm giving people a lot of homework. Sure. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. And then last but not least, we're just going to talk about, um, things that we have to plug, uh, coming up. What is going on outside of the museum with you, Joe? Um, I don't actually have too much at the moment to be announcing yet, but hopefully some news uh soon. But um, I know we have news for sure to announce with Ghost Modern. But I let's let's see what you got going on first. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure out our schedules and then we'll uh, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Um. Well, um, uh, my work is uh my my show Vanitas is still up at Folk House Collective in Kingston, New York. My show is going to run through this month of September. And then after that, my work will still be in the gallery, but there will be another featured artist. Um, so if any time in the next uh, year that or so that you are happen to be in Kingston, New York, stop by and you'll probably uh, see a few of my pieces there, um, which is really exciting to be able to say. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I am back in St. Petersburg for now. Uh, and, uh, you may be seeing some, it's been years, but you may see some Mothman on the horizon. Okay. Uh, I am, I am in talks, uh, to, to, uh, to, um, bring, bring the moth back. Yeah. Back, back to the light. Return of the man, the Mothman. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, but, uh, our two singles as Ghost Modern, that Mm -hmm. is, uh, the, the duo that is me and Joe. Uh, we have two singles out available everywhere on streaming and an album, a full album on the way. So Absolutely. be on the lookout. And I think that is all we can say uh, for certain at the moment Yeah, uh, I will, on that. For sure. We'll, we'll have we'll some dates soon. Yeah. Check out at Ghost Modern Music on Instagram for any updates too. We'll also be posting stuff on like our stories and sometimes mm-hmm. our profiles linked to potentially the museum posting it as well so yeah just keep checking in on there for sure we're gonna have some updates on when the album is dropping but we're both very excited about that it got a little delayed due to just crazy events and we apologize if there were those of you who were looking forward to the august 18th show that we were also both looking forward to yeah it got um well canceled for reasons that we can't get into but Yeah. yeah we were also upset about it so, but thank you all for all those who've been listening they, they and checking it they out. They didn't, uh, they weren't into our pyrotechnics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a small indoor space, you know, they were just like, nah, we can't, you we can't have flamethrowers on the we stage. We would have burnt that place down. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been a, a great, uh, yeah. great big uh, mm. homecoming to the museum. We will see you next time. If you'd like to find the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. You can also email us if you have any questions uh, or comments uh, at uh, uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like to find me after hours, I'm at Xanosaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Josemino Art on Instagram. 
And from the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Semino. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.